hello, riffers and non-riffers alike, and welcome to Gain It For Riffs. It's a special episode today. Oh yes. A little bit different than usual. Today we know which artist is uh, behind all the riffs. We know which artist, but we do not know the riffs. It's Metallica. Metallica. Gain It For Riffs presents Metallica. Yeah, uh, so we had the idea to, uh, because it's one of the bands that we just name drop all the time. Yeah. And we we kind of uh, wonder why why that is. I mean, uh, why do we like Metallica so much? Or why are they so important to us that they seep into every episode that we make? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I have a few theories about that. And I guess that could be a, a going theme of the day, aside from the uh, masterful riff work at hand. <laughs> we surely had to get it out of our systems, right? <laughs> I think... Yeah. Yeah, we couldn't have really pushed it much further away, uh, and then to just pull out one riff, uh, hard to choose one, and you know it'd, it'd be all all over the place. However, we would do it because it's Metallica. And precisely. I mean, to, uh, to further riff on on your notion there, I think maybe they're kind of the ultimate uh, bands. You know, not musicians, not artists. It's just a band. It's very garage oriented, isn't mm. it? Like they've played on so much themselves. Yeah, I think I think it's for some reason it's extremely important for uh, James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich to play in a band. They can't imagine not playing in a band. And I think that's the, the start of the whole thing, that they were, they were struggling, you know, to get someone to play with. Uh, they really like, like had the feeling, we have to play. And we can't do yeah, anything surely. else. We're not good enough for anything else. And uh, we want to play, we want to play loud, we want to play now. And I think yeah. that's still the case. It, it, whatever you think of Metallica 2020, it's still the case. They still want to play. It's, yeah. uh, it's quite And I think if different. you rewind back to 81, I think those guys would never have met. You know, I don't, I don't think they would have you know, been able to just be friends, Lars and James. They kind of no. cursed with each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> In a way, which is, you know, it's slightly beautiful. I mean, if you, if you look at it somehow, mm. you know, like they didn't really choose each other, but Metallica chose them to be exactly. Metallica. Exactly. Somehow. And, you know, all the things about... I mean, the reason Lars couldn't find a band is because he couldn't play. <laughs> he just couldn't <laughs> fucking play. And James was an awkward kid, so he needed Lars as a, as a kind of engine. Mm. Uh, a lot have been said, written, and discussed about Metallica's origins. I mean, their whole history. It's like... It's one of the... <laughs> I think the one of the most, uh, you know, chronicled band bands on the planet because they also release yeah. so much behind the scene footage uh, there's so much interviews there's so much drama they're they're all also like they're kind of you know in always um how can you say um they're always where the action is let's say to they paraphrase. are they are i mean even even now they have the metallica mondays when they release a full uh, well recorded concert every monday from different eras of the band yeah. So you you can you can see stuff from the mid '90s. Uh, you can see from the late '90s. Uh, I was glancing over Columbia '99 today. <laughs> yeah. Just quickly, they opened with Bread Fan. That's cool. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I always like when they do that. Same with the House of Vans in London. They open with a, a, a set where they put together Bread Fan, uh, the Four Horsemen, and Battery into what? the same chunk and what, like, what would be the way. worst song for them to open with there must be a worse song i, I have a, have an idea i think enter sandman i don't want them to open with that what yeah would but i would say seek and destroy 
it's <laughs> like this song that they always uh, they always end on it. And uh, I last mean, time I saw them, they they played it very early. They played it as the third song out, oh, the okay, first okay. non-hardwired song. And for me, that was great. It was just like yeah. I loved it, and it was full of energy. And I felt like if they had saved it for last, maybe I would have been like ah. <laughs> The smash you know. when, when I say it out loud, I mean maybe it doesn't matter. It would be <laughs> yeah. maybe not so interesting if they played like did a Iron Maiden and play, played all the songs from their new album and then some <laughs> some old classics. That would be a terrible. Yeah, some old. Yeah, I mean I'd love if they opened with Iron Maiden, Prowler. They oh, yeah, with Prowler. If Metallica opened with uh, Prowler, yeah, that'd be awesome. And they're the kind yeah. of band that can do that. Mm. I mean, to, to further add to what's special about Metallica, these guys can go up and the first song out will be a cover. They even yeah. did the Anti-Nowhere League So What for a while as the opening tune. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the tune with these two guys drunk in a bar trying to one-up each other on the disgusting things they've experienced and done. <laughs> <laughs> Including just being going to Hastings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, interesting band, interesting band, and I guess to not like get lost in this rabbit hole, which we're kind of lost in anyway all the time, maybe it's time to pull out a riff. What would you say? I uh, think that sounds like a good idea, but maybe just to make clear what, what is going to happen in this show, we both uh, choose or decided uh, together that we would choose five riffs each uh, from wherever we wanted. Uh, riffs, I say riffs, but uh, it kind of turns into songs sometimes. You know, you you want to play all the riffs. Yeah. <laughs> and we have actually we have no, uh, we didn't put like an end uh, time for this episode. We just let it, uh, we just play, and so we see how long it is. I have no idea. It might be super long. Yeah, it might be. It can't. It can't be super short because I think if we would play just the ten songs, then it would be a yeah. double episode probably. Let's see where we end up. Exciting. 78 minutes of music, as it said on uh, Load and Reload. Uh, oh yeah, we can release this episode on a CD. <laughs> it doesn't even fit. It has to be on a, a double, double CD. It's going to be a double <laughs> oh, CD, no. probably. Oh no. <laughs> double CD game for its Metallica extravaganza. Oh God. Just five bucks. Five all bucks. Right. That's all. Uh, I'm going to start. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's see, where are we? Here. Okay, we have to start uh, stop somewhere, but <laughs> it's uh, War without end. <laughs> World without end. Attack! All right, uh, there's <laughs> a, a bunch more riffs from that song uh, that I also learned <laughs> just because they're so much fun. Uh, we yeah. have no remorse. Uh, sorry, you don't have to guess. You know which song song it is. Of course, I know. Starting at the beginning, we're at Kill 'Em All. This is no remorse. Kind of a deep cut on the album, I would say, and a little bit of a personal favorite. I mentioned it in mm. the show, and luckily I didn't bring it today, so nice. <laughs> that's, it's not wasted. Yeah, nice. my favorite riff in this one maybe is the because it's so heavy. <laughs> that, that riff yeah, is yeah, just yeah. really <laughs> like back leaning, and then obviously uh, you have to love the. Uh, it's just simplicity and greatness in that chorus and uh, 
the first riff also is cool. There's also there's also there's also this one. Yeah, and that, which ends the song also so so extremely nice. <laughs> That's clearly our maiden derived, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and then the speed riff is fun too in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> barely able to play. Uh, I think it, it's it's a fantastic song. Uh, I really always liked it, and I think the in- intro riff is also uh, fantastic. And I, I, you feel it's their first album because the intro riff uh, also immediately becomes a solo riff, uh, ground oh, yeah. for the solo that is super long. <laughs> You know, it's just mindless shredding in in F uh, F, uh, F sharp minor pentatonic, which the riff is also. It's a very you know it's it's we go back a little bit to Rage Against Machine, an episode maybe that hasn't been released yet. I realize now, but we go back to if if you want to rock out, you're on F sharp, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. So um, it goes from a um, a, 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 a E actually to uh, F sharp to an A to a B. So it, it just repeats that, and it's just extremely groovy. Uh, yeah. for being the first album I think um, and I mean when you're in F sharp that's why you can do the E and the E will have the function of a D when mm-hmm. you're normally playing right like in uh, that kind of move from um, yeah, among others Sabbath Body Sabbath yeah. but when you're in F, F sharp you can do that lower because you, you have access to that lower 7th yeah. that's where you get all the bit out of groove out yeah. of rock it's groovy right it's super groovy but i also like the the next riff it's just a, it's so extremely <laughs> basic but so nice and it, it was the riff that made me choose this sound i was like to, uh, trying to fix a good uh, appropriate uh, riff sound for this episode and they have a bit of delay or some reverb on the on the guitar there, which makes it sound bigger. Maybe the whole record is just like a big reverb fest. Um, it's a lot of reverb on there, yeah. But it just so- so- sounds, it sounds so cool. the first uh, kind of war, war anthem from Metallica, right? Yeah. Which they've come to do over and over. This is like the, the youthful war anthem. The youthful say, war anthem. No remorse, no repent. We don't care what it meant. Another day, another death, another sorrow, another breath. It's not a very deep <laughs> breath. Yeah, I think <laughs> I've heard somewhere that maybe it's a touring song, you know, because they hadn't yeah. even toured yet, but they still wanted to have the touring songs. That kind of, you know, exactly. there's no remorse. We're yeah. Gonna, Head out every day, another day, another breath, another I sorrow, mean, another death. I yeah. mean, the first album is is a lot of songs about 
you know, playing metal. That's kind of the playing metal, headbanging, being a fan, or being a Metallica fan, or being in Metallica. It's the story. <laughs> it's the story. It's, it's just very simple, and I, I think it's so very endearing, but also extremely cool. I can only imagine how cool it must have been to hear these songs for the first time, or actually yeah. play live as to be James Hetfield the first time. Go on, uh, go on stage and play these songs, and everyone is just loving it. Because it's yeah, uh, it's so new at this time. It's super fresh. Um, it is, it is, and I, I mean, it, I I just came to think about last week's episode with Ghost that uh, Metallica also kind of built a mythos. Like uh, they write songs about touring and about the Metallica fans for the first record, mm -hmm. and uh, these guys are kids at this point, so they're also kind of you know building something that maybe isn't really what they are. They you know they go out with this larger than life um, attitude in in the yeah. lyrics and contents on Kill 'Em All, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, it, we have uh, maybe one song that I'm thinking like the way maybe you have chosen it, so we shouldn't uh, shouldn't end up. That is more a mythology and uh, yeah, the Bible related. I mean, if you <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, yeah. you can probably guess which songs song I mean. Uh, but it kind of also brings us to the next album uh, in a way, in a natural prog progression, I think. But I think I think you're right. It's really like this this album. They always went back for if they needed a song to get the crowd going and get everyone like feel united. You have Seek and Destroy. You have uh, um, yeah. Yeah, occasionally hit the lights or a metal militia. I don't think Mustaine is credited on that one, but it sounds dangerously Mustaine-esque. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a bit simple, you know, like a bit too simple for him, maybe. It's, it's, uh... Maybe, yeah, maybe it has that headfield shunk in there. That kind of thing. That's very headfield. Like that's uh, a fantastic uh, riff, also. Uh, but that. <laughs> I appreciate There's... the cavemanness of Kill 'Em All. Yeah. it's so simple, and it's like it feels like it was written without looking back. You know, mm. oh, cool riff. Next sure. cool riff. Sure. On that... there, and at that, still with that, it's not really a riff piling feast. It's kind of song oriented, and you can already feel Lars's um, Lars's skill mm. in putting together songs that have a cohesive yet adventurous structure. Yeah, uh, I also, I also for for some reason I, I find it's my favorite album with Kirk Hammett. Uh, his solos are just like very youthful and energetic, and like they're not about that. They don't have any content other than it's just shredding. Uh, yeah. But it's someone is pure it's, energy. It's pure, yeah. It's pure energy, but it, it's also very true to his nature. You know. Uh, yeah, I would I argue, like, however, that yeah. it sounds like this because of Dave Mustaine. Yeah, because he had already put down so many leads uh, on. Yeah, on the record. But, but I mean the solos. You know, like the, I think the the actual soloing uh, that is just like over the top. It's not not really like in this song. You know, it's they're not really. Yeah, written. I mean, I think this song this song is an original. No remorse is after. Kind of, uh, it, it has nothing to do with David Mustaine, I would, I would guess, mm. and I don't think the solo maybe doesn't either because I don't think it had been demoed before. But uh, mm. at least half of the record had been demoed, and uh, Dave had put down leads, so yeah. uh, some of the notes in the solos are okay. lifted straightly okay. oh, off of Dave, actually. Yeah, so that's I think that's why Kirk is Kirk is so good on this album, and I completely mm. agree with you that maybe it's his best solo work <laughs> in the first one. 
And, you know, once again, Dave is there. You know, Dave is the, is the ghost that is haunting Metallica. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. I came from another uh, direction there, but we ended up uh, somehow praising Kirk Hammett, which is a good start of the episode. A bit uh, unconventional, maybe, but why not? Sure. Uh, yeah, I was. you just made me aware of the yesterday about this fantastic video when Megadeth gain, uh, gets a Grammy and they walk up on stage and the house band is just playing the worst version yeah. of uh master puppets ever ever and they, ever yeah that's so fun and they just walked down smiling and afterwards he said uh damon stain said i didn't hear it it was the sound was so bad in there <laughs> so afterwards <laughs> yeah. when i i was gonna listen to my acceptance speech i was like that's the worst <laughs> that's the worst ever version of master puppets i ever heard <laughs> Yeah, I was alluding to that when I put that riff as the intro of yeah. the Conjuring Heart episode, <laughs> you know, just to do it again, present Dave Mustaine again with dan, 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 dan. however I know how to play the song, unlike the house band. Yeah, definitely. Maybe you've chosen it, who knows. Uh, maybe we should just uh, head on because we. Uh, I, I look at the time here and uh, yeah, not that we have yeah. any end time at all, but um, I think it's time for riff number two. Sure, and I think we will touch on Kill Em All more uh, uh, as we go along, as mm. we get along. Mm. But not for this riff. I'm switching guitar. Ooh. Oh, we got two guitars today because... Yeah. I got two guitars today. Uh, <laughs> pulling, out, guitars. pulling out all the stops. <laughs> no, yeah. actually one of them has a humbucker and it's tuned to E-flat. Mm. And that's the one I picked out now. So that may give a hint about where it's heading. Uh-huh. And uh, we were just on Kill Em All and we we're going to... Completely different territory here. Same, ba- same band, Sounds same modern, band. Yeah. So uh, here we go. The uh, reverb on. I think I know from which uh, album it is. Is it from uh, Saint Anger? That's correct. It's from Saint Anger. I'm in mm. drop C sharp. The song is even in drop C actually, but I'm not gonna go that low. Fuck it all. Fucking no regrets. I hit the lights on these dark sets. I'm there I let myself go free. Feel my world shake. Uh, yeah, I know that part, but which, which song is it? I mean, clearly you know which song it is and which album it is, and it's also the title track. I'm madly in anger with you. I'm mildly in anger with you. Saint Anger, yeah. Cool. Saint Anger from Saint Anger, released in 2003. A weird year for metal, a weird year for Metallica, isn't it? Weird, weird year for the world. It's like this post-Iraq, or like during the Iraq war. I think lately I've been thinking the US was fucking terrible during this time time uh, period but anyway uh, it was interesting now when you played it it out of the context 
and with maybe without the drums, also it sounded pretty good. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that, that's why I brought the riff. This yeah. is the only riff that I never knew how to play until today. Oh, okay. Just before the cool. episodes, like, yeah, I gotta have something from Saint Anger here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't. Thought, yeah, I don't have Saint anything. Anger. I don't have anything. I can't play one single note from Saint Anger. So I'm very happy that you yeah. <laughs> brought it. And I mean, uh, the clean riff. Yeah, it's not bad. Listen to this clean mm -hmm. riff. No. I quite like it. It has this yeah, kind me, of um, me too. slightly great. eastern eastern vibe to it, like a, uh, <laughs> a kind of Chinese calmness in like and you know of a better phrase. But it does, what, what is it in in the original song? Uh, something else is played at the same time, right? That kind of yeah, yeah. You lose it a little bit because yeah. of the. Actually, it's a good harmony played, but it's, and also the drums are there and the singing is there. This is the verse, mm. you know, with them. Saint angle round my neck. Saint angle round my neck. Flush it out! Flush it out! But there's a vibe there, right? There's a bit of a vibe yeah. in that. Yeah, I, I remember when I heard this song, uh, the first time I heard this song. I was sitting at a, a friend's house, uh, Rickard. Uh, I haven't seen him in a long time, but we used to sit and listen to music. Often he picked the music. It was often uh, Rammstein, Six Feet Under, and Eddie Medusa, if I was really lucky. And uh, But this day we were, we were playing some video game, and then... Uh, we uh, realized there was a v new video for from Metallica from Saint Anger, um, and we listened to it. And I liked the song a lot the first few times around, but then uh, the song loops on itself uh, like maybe t uh, yeah. five times too much. It's so long. Yeah, I mean, I played I played pretty much all the riffs in the song except for the main riff because I can't play it. There. I've played pretty much all the other riffs from the song there. Yeah. They use the same verse and chorus there. Yeah. That one goes round and round and round with a little bit different octaves sometimes. Mm. Like... Uh, um, so, St. Anger. Uh, I, I don't like the... I don't care for the album. Uh, at all <laughs> no uh, actually i mean we kind of experienced it together at uh, 2003 yeah. where we we met often and mm. uh, listened to music and i remember we listened to it in your countryside residence or island ah, residence okay. actually in gotland hamra mm. and uh, we were up in the, in the attic listening to records as usual and we tried to get through sankt anger and it was mm. just a laughing fest just like how bad is this <laughs> to a large extent i'm still there mentally like i still can't stand listening to the whole album it's yeah. it's it's a challenge for sure and i mean mm. songs like some kind of monster are horrible <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is like a lot of zero three five on a down tune <laughs> string and yeah it's a band in 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 uh in free fall Almost. In free fall, you could say, or yeah, the grabbing or in pieces, a, the, even May, the maybe already landed and you're in pieces. Yeah, they're grabbing onto a ledge, but uh, too late, so their their legs are crushed, sort of. I mean, yeah. we were we we read this uh, article or this interview with Metallica in Close Up Magazine by Martin Carlson, and he was hyping the album like crazy. He was saying that. Uh, James and Kirk were using their instruments or their guitars like surgical instruments 
uh, with solos that cut through the bone. And if you have heard this album, there's not a single solo on it. There's nothing of that. He must have had a spike drink, spike with acid, because <laughs> yeah. otherwise I see no way that he could have had this experience. But I don't know, maybe they took really good care of the VIP pre-listeners uh, journalist gang or something, so everyone felt great. And I think to further uh, praise Kirk in this episode, it could be a theme because he gets so little of it, <laughs> to yeah. further praise him, he was kind of calling the band out and saying like, okay, so there's no solos in this album. You know that that's going to put us in this time frame. When you look back at this album, you're going to think this is typical early 2000s where solos were out of vogue. Mm. And uh, I mean, he's so right. If you look back at it, it's really something you notice and it's not uh, a compliment to the band at, in 2003 at all. It's just, no. why do that? It's a part of their sound to have solos. And now when they play Frantic and Sankt Anger, which they occasionally do, they have added solos actually. Yeah. I'm a bit like upset that my formative years, so like my early twenties, uh, yeah, was in the in the beginning of the two thousands with bands like Corn Limp Biscuit was the biggest shit, and then Metallica comes and drops this and just like further adds to it. And I didn't like this music, and but it was everywhere. It was like an, yeah, it, you couldn't. It's really terrible. It's like the last uh, hurrah for metal, and it was new metal, and it was terrible. Um, but I look back at it at the same time. I look back at it, and I feel like that's always been kind of the case, right? That uh, whatever you're listening to, there's like a, a part of it that you don't like, or uh, mm, maybe a, sure. a direction that you're not into, and it provokes you to find your own metal in this instance. Mm. Because I didn't want to hear that shit. I, I mean, totally. I've, I've softened up on some of it. There's some good corn yeah. songs, and and the guitarist of Limp Bizkit, uh, Wes Borland, is a genius guitarist. It's awesome. Mm. But still, I mean, when you were in that era, I couldn't stand it. Mm. And, you know, that made me maybe even more go ahead for my heavy metal stuff that I still enjoy. Dio, yeah. Iron Maiden, and so on. Because like, that was my metal. I think I was fortunate also to discover, uh, well, Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, they were, of, of course, had their best albums during that time. I mean, they're also kind of this, ha have the same audience, these like bros, you know? But uh, yeah. still, the, uh, I, I got the, really into Stone Rock and uh, that influenced me to start this band with you. And we played uh, in your basement, we played like the... The kind of current music, you know, like spiritual spiritual beggars, um, Grand Magus maybe, uh, and uh, and Queens of the Stone Age, but uh, it, you know, like going a bit in a different direction. Of course, I couldn't solo, yeah. so I mean, I wasn't better than Kirk Hammett <laughs> at this point. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, anyway. Kirk can solo. <laughs> this episode is going to be all good on Kirk. Even yeah, though I love my, Kirk. My least Kirk's favorite. my new favorite member of the Metallica. Yeah, actually, he, he should get some love for sure. I yeah. mean, he's, he's just a great guy. But yeah, I mean, anyway, that era was strange. And I mean, maybe it was also good in that sense that you said that uh, you could find other music to listen to, pick up mm. alternative music mm. or pick up... Uh, uh, I tried some jazz uh, at that time too. And uh, I mean, I, maybe I listened to it... Uh, I'm a better jazz listener now than I was mm. then. Maybe then I was more pretentious. But, you know, it just provokes you to find your own taste in music. You went, you went quite far into country music, I remember, yeah, soul yeah. music. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not really a problem if your favorite genre is in a suffering um, kind of uh, dynasty. Although Lars, Lars Ulrich was doing his best to make people stop listening to music. I mean, <laughs> remember how... Oh, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, this was around, right around that time. You're yeah, right. Napster, uh, the whole Napster deal. I mean, if you remember uh, being a music lover in this 
era is fantastic. Like you have uh, MP3 is you know like it, it you can you can get songs uh, you can download them on the on your computer it maybe it takes a few minutes and you have a song and you're going around like just collecting things sending to each other um, and it, it was just yeah. so much discovery during this time because of this uh, I was still buying CDs of course but I I really had a huge MP3 library uh, that I loved yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> when when uh, Metallica sued Napster and uh, like how weird was that but uh, the, the weirdest thing was like how how they solved it or kind of solved it that uh, if you the Metallica songs were were still on Napster but if you downloaded them you were banned and uh, I downloaded them and <laughs> I was banned <laughs> you got banned from was it uh, from Direct Connect or no from Napster? Napster no I got a letter home from directly from Lars Ulrich saying you're not uh, invited anymore to Metallica fandom sorry frame it yeah, put it on the wall exactly, but, exactly. yeah it's, it was a weird time and I had a huge mp3 collection as well as a big cd collection mm. uh, I think I was a more rabid album buyer then because now because of streams I buy vinyl but I don't really buy any I mean when did I last buy a cd it must have been I don't 15 know. years ago <laughs> Maybe 10, 10, let's say 10 years ago. So it's really, that's a dying format. But I've, I've, I play CDs again now in my home, actually. Mm. It's fun to, you know, pick out the, some old Crowbar CD. Like why, why would I ever think about playing Crowbar unless I see that CD in, in the stand? And it's like, okay, Planets Collide, that, that mm, shit's hot. That's a good <laughs> song, Planets Collide. Yeah. Crowbar, uh, you should look into them. They, um, what's his name? The guitarist He's great. He plays in Down also. Yeah, uh, Kirk also. He's yeah, also Kirk, Kirk, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. With some German after surname, Kirk. Ah, Kirk, Kirk Weinstein. Weinstein. I don't remember. Ah, why, why, uh, why don't Weinstein. I think it's called Kirk yeah. Weinstein. Yeah. And then of course Pepper Keenan on the other guitar in, oh. in Down. Oof, down, we have to. From, uh, corrosion of Conformity. They were also hot at this time, mm. especially in the late in the late nineties. Metallica mm. were kind of uh, you know looking up to Corrosion of Conformity. Yeah, uh, uh, that's interesting. I don't know if you have any riffs from that era uh i didn't bring anything actually because uh, i don't know we'll get there i guess but uh yeah we'll but, uh, james was a huge fan and friend of uh corrosion of conformity this uh, sudden kind of uh, modern modernized southern rock you could say um from new orleans and they uh they kind of tried to emulate their sound and i think that's main reason why load sounds like it does uh, yeah, that and also Alice in Chains. You you, you hear tons of Alice in Chains mm. on Load and Reload. Yeah, in the in the uh, arrangements and and the style. And I mean, if if you so so you kind of you can really divide uh, Metallica's career like this. And I think many people have you know that they're trailblazing and then they're starting to uh, get insecure and start looking at uh, inspiration uh, in yeah. a way more like it, before they were inspired as well a lot. You know, Diamond Head, Motorhead. Iron Maiden, but sure. more, you know, more refined and somehow more subtle uh, inspirations. Um, yeah, now, and I guess more of more of a, their own identity. They never sounded like any of those bands. No, for sure. Uh, but I mean, in this riff, you can hear also some two thousand three, right? Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah. has that octave they don't they rarely use octaves you know yeah. like uh, an, a good example of octave use from that era is blackwater park by opeth 
uh, they shit tons of these octaves and i think that was kind of in vogue at the time right it's kind of this 2000 sound about it somehow i mean you have uh That int- intro has an octave. But... Yeah. I love Lars's snare on that intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His snare sounds like the God of War snare. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I, I actually I I, um, I uh, rehearsed that song, um, but I don't know. I have other songs that I rather go into. I don't know. Maybe right. maybe you will get back to it. Uh, so I think it's time for the third riff. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, let's jump into your next riff. I'm going to get another beer from the fridge. All right. I'll be right back. Cool. Time to get a beer. Don't be afraid. The beer won't drink you, but you will. And uh, ready for another riff. All right. I'm ready. I'm creeping death. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this song is called uh, Creeping Death from Ride the Lightning, 1985, yeah. I do believe, or is it 84? 1984, the year I was born. It's an early album. It's such a great album. It's my favorite Metallica album. Just going to drop that now. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, it's weird with these bands that you're overly interested in because I'd be, I do believe that Master of Puppets has the best songs. But Ride Lightning is my favorite album. It has uh, a little something for everybody. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it, and it's so heavy metal. It's a lot of heavy metal on there. I love it. Yeah. And it really... Uh, I mean, the, the the difference between Kill Em All and Ride Lightning is huge. It's huge. What a jump. Yeah. What a uh, jump. It's insane. And it, it's so... Um, and I think this song, I mean, it's a fan favorite. It's maybe my favorite metallica song i'm not sure almost every every gig almost every gig they play it i mean if not even every gig actually yeah and uh it is uh it has the one of the most uh crowd pleasing moments also the uh the 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 breakdown uh the The die 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 part yeah and uh of yeah. course. That's an early riff, early riff from Kirk that he wrote before he was in Metallica. Okay. Yeah, it's Kirk. Then we have to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. I rule the midnight air. The destroyer born. I shall soon be there. Deadly, Deadly mass. mass. 
I rule the steps and floor. Final darkness. Go. I will be with thee. Push of fire. Yeah. I mean, the verse riff is arguably one of my favorite riffs ever from any band. Uh, ah, super good. And, uh, and it's like really basic, isn't it? Most of the song. I mean, the verse riff has a certain Hetfield flair to it, like something you never heard before. But a lot of it mm. is just basic power chord head yeah. metal with yeah. biblical theme. I mean, it's just such a, you know, basic song. Yeah. Uh, yet it doesn't need anything more. Like anything you would add to it, you would subtra subtract from the quality. Under it, I like that they kind of uh, alternated the verse, so they play under mm. that. Ah, yeah, so good. I find it very commanding. Yeah. And very, that's a lot of Metallica in there, like Iron Maiden would never. It's just a bit too heavy for those old school <laughs> British heavy metal bands, isn't it? Definitely. Um, and uh, Creeping Death, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, the, the biblical, the retelling of, uh, or James Hetfield's retelling of uh, Moses uh, fleeing from Egypt, from the Pharaoh, but then also uh, arranging the destruction upon uh, the society there. The, yeah, I, I mean, this is great. It's just... Uh, it just goes through the story, <laughs> kind of every story yeah. beat is there. The I mean, it's a very well composed verse in terms of rhythmical mm. aspects. I mean, I said it my it's my favorite riff, uh, one of my favorite riffs there. But also the vocal arrangement on there is supremely good. Mm. The with the shouting uh, first one syllable, slaves, you were born to serve to the pharaoh. He to his, his every, every word, word. living fear. And I mean, uh, we've kind of proved how how strong that is uh, because uh, sometimes in a improvisational um, jam session, uh, when you, you kind of want to jam out some some vocals on top of whatever you're doing, yeah, uh, we've we've pulled that out. <laughs> I <laughs> just think that <laughs> I remember my bass player Isaac, who is completely into more indie rock and that kind of stuff. <laughs> he was like, "Ah, oh, you start singing so good there for a bit." <laughs> it's just because we did the, the, the verse from Creeping Death on top of a funk jam or whatever it was. But yeah. uh, it's it's written in a way that is, again, very commanding, you know, and it's fitting. Ten Commandments, commanding song, yeah. the Exodus, uh, everything is there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's before the Ten Commandments, but uh, but they were heading there, of course. They're... But it's commanding. Yeah, it's <laughs> commanding. <laughs> <laughs> but listen to James Hetfield's voice from, like... From the first to the second album, uh, it's like it's huge difference. Huge, huge, yeah. huge, huge. He, he he claims that he was severely hungover when he put down Kill 'Em All. And that's yeah, why right. he's kind of out of character because <laughs> I think maybe he's right because I've seen some old shows from that era and he mm. doesn't really sing that high. <laughs> no, some, he's kind of possessed on the, the Kill 'Em All record. But <laughs> for the, uh, I mean, I love it. I love I love the sound of his voice on that mm. one. But I think Ride the Lightning is kind of the band. Uh, reaffirming what they really are isn't it compared yeah. to uh, kill em all which is just kind of like uh time is of the essence those guys were like 18 19 i forgot to mention that that these guys are born in the mid 60s right uh mid to late yeah 
they're way young to be part of the kind of dinosaur uh, rock crew, which they are now, right? I mean, uh-huh. if you look at, uh, for example, uh, Richie Blackmore is born in like 45 or something like that. So they're 20 years younger than him. Yeah. And uh, even uh, the Iron Maiden boys are 10 years older than, than Metallica. And they, they got such an early start. I think that's a, like a, a strength for the band that they, mm. they got on track so early on. So they're mm. still not that old. No. No, for sure. They, they're young. Uh, and uh, I mean, we haven't even mentioned uh, Cliff Burton, uh, b- bass player of Metallica. Um, oh, yeah. In this, on this album, especially on this album, has a lot of uh, uh, yeah, bass bass work. I mean, on all all his, all the. Oh, yeah, I would argue on all three. Yeah, like of course. There. I mean, he, he is way more prolific bass player than in many bands. Yeah. And he was kind of the idol of the band, right? They idolized this guy for his character, mm. for his kind of, you know, he was going his own way, kind of a... He, I think he kind of bought, brought the art aspect into Metallica. Not that they are a super arty band, but uh, uh, maybe well, you get what I mean, right? Well, he had read some music theory, so I mean... he Yeah, integrity, that in sure. mixing genres, you mm. know, not being all about uh, boozing and, and, and uh, fucking, basically. Yeah. Um... Kind of a band dad, if you will. Band was dad. Slightly older, slightly older than the other guys, but in that young age, it's a difference, right? Yeah. No, you were always sure. older than me. Yeah. You're still older than me. Like uh, I'm still older than you. Yeah. Two years. It's two years in between us, and now we're in our mid thirties. It shouldn't matter. Yeah. But, but when you get to know someone, when you're mm-hmm. uh, in my case, I was fifteen. When mm-hmm. I got to know you, you were seventeen. That's a massive mm-hmm. difference. Yeah, and I'm also born in January, and you're born in uh, November, October. October, late October. October. Yeah, so you're always one year younger, an extra year younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So kind so of three much. years younger. But yeah, Super the point young. was that Metallica were so young that Cliff was kind of a father figure, at least to James and Kirk, because mm. they had uh, problems in their families growing up. Yeah, Lars has his dad. He's still alive, that old fucker. And he's just, you know, <laughs> maybe, could he be top five coolest guys ever? Maybe. Torben, uh, like Ulrich. Torben Ulrich. He's mm. insanely cool, I think. <laughs> like, uh, you could imagine him with his jazz collections and his tennis millions, just having the coolest life in, in, in like, uh, hippie imagine. Copenhagen. <laughs> uh, anyway, Creeping Death, fantastic song. Uh, a, a song that can both uh, open and close a Metallica set list live with no problem. It could even be in the yeah. middle. No problem. It's Any always, place, uh, really. I'm, I'm still bummed that it's not on SNM. Yeah, but th- that would have gone the, gone the way of Master Puppets, something just like destroyed in the mix. Yeah, maybe. I'm not a huge SNM fan, but I still think that they should have done that. Uh, and also, they didn't do another Ride Lightning Classics, which is the. Fate of Black. It's also, not, it's also not on there, which mm. is slightly strange, I, bu- I would say. Um, yeah. So, so uh, did you choose us, uh, a riff from this album? My five ones, there's no Ride Lightning, actually. My favorite album is not in there. Okay, okay. I, I just have to play, uh, play this riff. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Uh, uh, so to add great. to that, when I was getting into Ride Lightning, I was playing Final Fantasy VII, the Squaresoft mm. game on PlayStation. Yep. And um, the fighting song in that game is clearly inspired by uh, 
for whom the bell tolls. I never thought about it. That's the fighting song. Oh yeah, with of course with the Hammond organ there. And Metallica never used the Hammond organ, right? No, but I mean they should. There are some synths on this album. Yeah, they right? are. Yeah, at least like yeah, uh, atmosphere keyboard. stuff, uh, like the wind in the beginning mm. of uh, Call of Cthulhu, yeah. for example. Very little. Uh, it's not the synth band, but I, I think uh, for sure there were uh, Kill 'Em All fans that uh, already told Metallica that they sold out at, on this album. I mean, that's just how it works. But I think uh, the depart. It's not a de- huge departure from the first album, but it's just such an. I don't know. They just went ahead, man. They just went. Another riff I would have uh, taken out from uh, Ride Lightning if I had any riffs from that one is this uh, was one of my early favorites too from uh, Call of Cthulhu. Like. Fantastic, fantastic. Song. A lot of Dave Mustaine riffs in that one, but I think this one is so clearly Hetfield. I mean, you can feel the Hetfield. It's a different sense of rhythm, isn't it, Be- between Hetfield and, and Mustaine? It's quite easy to tell the difference. And yeah, someone someone said it that like um, Mustaine's magic is in his left hand, and uh, James is in his right hand. So yeah, he's Mister Right Hand, right? <laughs> what else could yeah. you say? And I mean, I also like that lead because when I was a kid, I could kind of hear the music theory there that the, you do the lead in, in A minor even though the riff is in E minor which goes back yeah. a little bit to uh, the more that we did in episode one but yeah for me it was really oh, yeah. like uh, a little bit of an eye-opener that you could put that on top of that chunky riff it was like my mm. first peaks into musical composition you could say that's uh, beautiful yeah good um Let's uh, take a peek into the future of your next riff. Yeah, I'm now still with the wrong guitar. So one last uh, ride lightning riff to to rule them all is this one. Okay. Also mistake with clearly, but that's not the riff I choose. I've just played it before I switch guitar. Nice. You know which one it is, right? I uh, was this right or lightning. Yeah. No. This is kind yeah. of the fast yeah. part, and I think uh, ah, it's great. Wow. Our Norwegian Some... buddy Fenris and podcast colleague Fenris named that like one of his favorite <laughs> Metallica riffs ever. Yeah. Uh, it, it has such a drive. Yeah. For this episode, I kind of went. Uh, over and beyond my my technical abilities, but I also evolved a lot uh, cool. researching and playing these riffs. But that one I have to learn now. I think it's maybe a bit out of reach uh, it's for sure. Fast. But um, so great to play Metallica riffs. They they have like you. It's just like a great learning experience, and I think that they are a big part of um, YouTube uh, guitar shredding, just because the riffs are great and yeah. because they don't care anymore if people uh, use their songs uh, like they used to so um yeah hats yeah. off to them yeah, i think a lot of that old controversy was about a song being released before they released it 
which they didn't like because they want to they have a plan for everything right it's a very planned band in a sense so i can get that yeah. you don't want your song yeah. pre-released under the table so to speak so that, i think that was the main issue really and then i think a lot of people have gave uh, given lars the right in hindsight like yeah you were probably had a point there Anyway, not going to get stuck there, but uh, we're going to head back uh, towards that era again. I'm picking another nice. not recent riff. It's not recent at all anymore, but it's uh, new-ish. And uh, this is a great riff. This is the first riff that I thought like I have to learn for this show. I never played it before, but I had to learn it because I love listening to it. So let's see if you mm. pick it out. Uh, if you can't, I'm okay. not going to blame you, actually. It's okay <laughs> if you don't know it. <laughs> We're going okay, deep. Okay. It goes like this. Oh shit, I'm in drop. <laughs> it goes like this. Yeah, it's yeah. Outlaw Torn. Yeah, yeah. Great song, I think. Yeah. A little bit overlooked. Yeah. And one of my personal absolute Metallica favorites. From Load. Last song, right? Yeah. Off of Load. Yeah, the final Load. track on Load. A long one. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're on Load. We already touched it a little bit. Uh, don't think that this song is so much Crotion of Conformity uh, influence. It's more, I would say, a, a, um, a Black logical Sabbath. next step. Uh, right. Bla Black Sabbath, okay. Yeah, uh, maybe. What would you say? I'm not going to interrupt you and, and just steal your show there. What would you say? I think it's uh, more of a logical next step for as a ballad uh, for them. And I think the ba ballads, they still did great on this album. Yeah. Uh, and this is a heavy ballad. A ballad. Ballad. And, uh, I mean, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's an interesting topic that you bring up there. I think we could um, afford a couple of minutes talking about metal and ballads actually mm. i think it's an important topic here and uh, i mean metallica ever since ride lightning how far into the career was that it was released in 84 like you were born right mm. the band was formed in 81 so already three years in there they got an epic ballad in uh, fade to black with uh, yeah. ca cowboy chords and everything so i mean for anyone to believe that metallica is a band where ballads are not fitting i don't really mm. know how you get you know how do you get to that conclusion it's such a part how do you of, get of into band. metallica yeah it's uh, no it's 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 weird i think i think that's how you, you how you make your you know like how you make how you fashion your reality you know like people listen to what they want to listen to they can even like see uh they can hear fade to black on the radio and they're like diehard metallica fans and they don't hear it they don't even hear the song i mean it's not in the realm of possibilities that metallica can be a ballad band and then when it kind of really hits home with um, uh nothing else matters then it's like too far gone then they get the big yeah. uh panic attack and <laughs> anxiety and then it's like oh they sold out hey man they sold out like six years ago <laughs> yeah don't worry about yeah, it yeah i'm thinking of the tool song uh there's a tool song with the kind of slightly inappropriate title hooker with a penis uh, when he's singing about uh -huh. i sold out before you even knew of me basically 
you know mm. like what are you talking about setting out i sold out before i made my first record and uh, I, I brought that up last week's episode too like selling out come on what, what, what is that all about maybe in the like heat of the album era where you could really sell millions of cds then i could mm. see selling out happening but now it's kind of lost isn't it can you sell out today um yeah i don't know ozzy osborne doing songs with post malone i think that's uh Purely not an artistic uh, decision. It's a Sharon decision, <laughs> yeah. uh, definitely. But I mean that. Part, I mean his career is, you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Actually, I don't mind. I don't mind that sidetrack. It's an interesting sidetrack. Uh, okay. I'm not scared yeah. of yeah. tangents today. Let's say Ozzy <laughs> no. and Post Malone. I like that topic. I mean, Post Malone is actually quite a talented musician. I've seen him play mm -hmm. guitar and sing. And uh, I'm not into trap per se. I was playing guitar on a trap uh, recording the other half year. So, I mean, I, I listened to it a little bit, but uh, mm. not Post Malone. And I mean, it's just a weird modern genre, but the guy is skilled. And then I agree with you that Ozzy working with him is kind of an industrial move. I would say industrial. Mm. <laughs> yes. Industry printed all <laughs> over it, right? <laughs> and also the it's new like... Ozzy album, um, it's called Ordinary Man. Uh, the new oh, album yeah i, I, I mean it's a terrible I, album i i don't like it at all i'm just gonna <laughs> for the record <laughs> but i don't think it's because of post malone and i think yeah, I mean, but listen, also also ozzy cannot sell out so that's not a great example of selling out in modern no. era because how could ozzy sell out ozzy is ozzy it doesn't matter what he's doing he could fart into a microphone <laughs> but if there was a sellout album for metallica this is the one i mean yeah uh, i think they cut their hair off they, cut their they hair start off. playing uh, country music. Yeah, um, country and alternative. Leap. And it's not—it's not really like selling out to get more people to buy your stuff because they're already the, one of the biggest bands on the planet. It's more like a risk taking uh, than selling out, and maybe a bit of a, a, a conscious deviation. Yeah, uh, for some reason, because I, I don't really. Were they tired of the music that they were playing? You I, know, they, I think this harkens yeah. back again to what I addressed before, that they started out mm. so young. So they didn't feel yeah. old probably at this stage. At this stage, they were like, yeah, we're the same age as Alice in Chains, uh, which they kind yeah. of are. You know, That's true. We're the same age as those guys. We're still current. And mm. I mean, you can hear that they are not, but I understand yeah. the thinking behind going into load after uh, mm. an album like a black album and i arguably listen more arguably why would i say arguably it's me my listening I, li I listen more to load than black album okay i have a i have a theory i, I would say that reload is the ultimate sellout album would you agree yeah i mean i wouldn't say sellout but that's like scraps <laughs> the album is scraps it's the worst al it's their worst album um, no maybe ugh, I don't know. I'm not a fan of Death Magnetic either, but I think arguably Reload is the weakest album, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I was nearly picking uh, Fuel actually for this yeah, episode with great, uh, great because song. the chorus is very cool in Fuel. Uh, I think Outlaw uh, Torn is much a much better example of this era. I mean, what it could bring to uh -huh. the table. But yeah, Reload has a ton of ton of uh, flab on it. I would say, like it's a very thin core of muscle, and then there's just a 
bunch, abundance of lab on top of it. Songs like Slither, Hopeless Song, Carpe Diem Baby. Yeah. Is Prince Charming on that one, or is it on load? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Just before or after Carpe Diem. Also a horrible yeah. song. Horrible song. And Attitude, how it's just bad. <laughs> attitude is horrible. And uh, Better Than You, another terrible song. He won a, won a Grammy at, at that. I, mean, if, uh, I would say uh, Memory Remains is a good song. Memory Remains is, is great. Yeah, it's great. And I, I enjoy I enjoyed uh, Unforgiven two until I heard Unforgiven one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. That, that was a lot of tangents. But uh, back to Outlaw Torn, the the riff is mm. uh, super basic to understand. I'm down tuned to E flat, and it goes in between the single notes of E and uh, D. I'm speaking in normal E language on uh, the fifth string on the A string, and with the ringing E string in the bottom, like. Just in between those notes, and then there's this yeah. very tasty bend from the mm. from F sharp to G, which is from the second up to the third. So, and then the root is D under that. It's a bit. Uh, Maybe you can guess which Sabbath song I think this might be lifted from. Uh, well, I was thinking about "Planets Collide" again by Crowbar, but uh, yeah, true. Of course, that's also black. That's also Sabbath song. So yeah, um, yeah. No, I, uh, help me, help me. Uh, I would say uh, "National Acrobat." That's the title. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The one of your favorite riffs. <laughs> But maybe, maybe it's it's actually like the the Black Sabbath influences that uh, that creates load. I think it's uh, everything you said. I, I agree with too. So maybe like Black Sabbath, Alice in Chains. What else did you mention? Oh, well, you said uh, corrosion of conformity. Oh yeah, yeah. And, uh, I don't know, but it's just like. Uh, it's, I don't know. Like it, it's it's. I had definitely a period when uh, when I liked loads. Yeah, a lot. Uh, I think until it sleeps is a banger. That's a great um, one. Uh, Ain't my bitch. Uh, I liked a lot when I was young. I like to pitch shift that one well, that's, up. Uh, it's a cool one. Higher like, for some reason. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, so, you know that's just a an ugly riff, mm. in a in a kind of cool way. Uh, yeah, before leaving Outlaw Torn, I wanted to just have a quick glance at the lyrics here. Uh, oh yeah, hold me. Yeah, I think that part <laughs> remi me. reminds me of like a that feels kind of like a, a almost musical theater. Like there's a character, you know, having his monologue, uh, and that's the best part of the song. I would agree. I would almost say like. Uh, uh, yeah, he, the 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 sludging ver verse in the beginning. Is, now I wait my whole lifetime for you. Search the outside, search inside. 
for <laughs> you. I mean, it's a different approach, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's a bit more dramatic. Um, but I mean, he's he's quite dramatic and uh, theatrical. Uh, James Hetfield would think about uh, Enter Sandman, for instance. I mean, yeah, it's like a whole stage play almost. Uh, <laughs> even live, they have the the little boy's voice. Uh, yeah, boy's voice. Un- uh, unless it's Kirk Hammett. That does no, it. it is a little boy's voice, and they they <laughs> an early fact is that they play this with no synchronization. So sometimes, if the band is playing too fast, they have to cut it before it's even finished. <laughs> I've seen that actually I've seen that happen and you can find that on, on YouTube as well uh, yeah I could play it uh, I, like, I like that they're not playing with clicks too much I mean that's for me that's like traditional hard rock heavy metal outfit should not play with a click track they did it with uh, no. Symphony and Metallica for logical reasons and I think and, and sometimes in songs like One and also in this one uh, Outlaw and Torn they play with the uh, with click and uh, yeah, to, to just finish off with the lyrics there, uh, the, the bridge part is maybe the most anthemic part. Uh, Hear me and unclose mm. my mind in fear. And I don't know what it's yeah. about, but I have a feeling uh. that it's about James realizing that he's an alcoholic. And most ah, of Load okay. has this vibe. He already had been. Uh, no, that was after Load, maybe. I mean, in the 90s, he went into rehab once, maybe before mm. Load. But he still was too young to kind of realize. He said like, yeah, nothing much happened when I got sober. It was the same, but more boring. That mm. was how we saw it. So he was clearly still stuck in, uh, in like, uh, within the grasp of alcohol at that time. Mm. Yeah, and I think a lot exactly. of Load feels like his solo album, his, like, uh, his country album about being an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm, you remember there in, the, I think it's in Some Kind of Monster, he talks about his son's eighth birthday that he... Uh, yeah, at least I called him, and he's in uh, Russia drinking uh, uh, vodka in this uh, hunter's cabin with these Russians hunting yeah. bears. You know, and he at least he, at least I called my son, and he's so out of it. You know, he's so like I don't know. He's searching for something, and he can't find it, and he can definitely not not find it in the bottom of a bottle, as they say. But uh, that kind of ref- reflects to uh, Sankt Anger as well, and it's kind of mm. he's kind of he's almost like without personality at that point because he's just newly sober. He's wearing his little glasses. You know which ones I mean, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's this, the worst look uh, he ever had. He's wearing his <laughs> little glasses, and he has this kind of square haircut, and he's just like he's almost nothing at that point, which yeah. I find very interesting yeah. because yeah, he's, he's such a character, right? He has he oozes character and charisma. And at this point, he's yeah. just nullified. Like, there's nothing left of him, and he's just trying to pick up the pieces and put something together. So that makes yeah. Sergeant, Pe- uh, Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> that, makes, <laughs> <laughs> that makes Sergeant Anger, Saint Anger. It makes it an interesting, <laughs> an interesting record. It is, is, is Saint Anger Metallica's Sergeant Pepper? <laughs> I think I it is, no. but it's so much ah. worse. It's so much worse. Sergeant Pepper is an amazing album, and Sergeant Anger is, is a horrible album. Let's just face it. Let's face it. I'm a huge fan, but that yeah. album stinks. It just it stinks. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Nice. Nice pick. Um, I didn't expect it, but I, I so far, uh, I realized all the songs. I got it at first try. Yeah, so I was I'm so close to, to picking Creeping Death, but I thought that Only Loves This Song is going to pick that one. So I had to go for the yeah. deep cuts, right? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I wonder if you picked my next riff. Ooh, exciting. Mm. Oh, which one should I take? Um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, maybe this one. 
bow to leper messiah <laughs> that's like uh, another classic oh, what a yeah. great song it's one of the worst songs on master puppets and still it's like pristine quality uh, amazing great and I, and I was thinking like okay what's to pick from this great album and uh I just found, you know, remembered. There's this part in the middle with this kind of... Uh, it's not really harmony. It's uh, uh, Kirk and James play the same thing. And James has a name for this great. Uh, that uh, you will benefit from knowing because it's a great name. It really fits our show. Can you guess what he calls it? This type of... Uh, no, tell me. He calls it riff lead. A riff lead? Ah, it's yeah, a riff course. lead. <laughs> it really is, right? <laughs> I mean, if, so ah easy. shit! Actually, like, ugh, if I have to pick one thing that I love the most about Metallica, maybe it's the riff leads. I mm, think, uh, yeah. I think, you mm. know what? I, I think he was inspired by when he was inventing the art of riff leads. I think a song like this. <laughs> clearly come from Iron Maiden that kind of riff lead mm. yeah yeah for sure uh, another uh, another part I think that's really good I think the song really picks up uh, towards the end I think it's really like some cool shit happening like uh... yeah, the... yeah I'm glad you brought that up because I think it really kind of tells of the symphonic aspect to Metallica's arrangement mm with that falling uh, chromatic and then uh, interrupted by the 16 note chugging and I think that I would attribute that to Lars I think that's a very Lars part yeah I mean it's kind of uh, you, you're as, as uh, James Hetfield you're also bound to Lars Ulrich there's no doubt about that and uh, I think he really found a way to play off uh, Lars's strength as yeah. a drummer, and also his uh, like play around his weaknesses. Maybe that uh, he he gets an enormous amount of flack, uh, almost uh, only from the fans, because you know if you're not a fan of Metallica, do you really care about them that much that you would know uh, know about this fact that Lars Ulrich is considered not a very good drummer? Uh, but we we at Gain It for Riffs feel that he had some uh, there's some unnecessary criticism. I think I think it's. Uh, there's really like stuff going on. Yeah, he's a hard drummer to pinpoint because if I listen to him, I mean, the last few months I've been playing just for fun with a Metallica tribute orchestra mm. of a quartet, quartet as it should be, and I realized sometimes that my drummer is so much better than Lars in some parts. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, he holds this together much better, but still, I always defend Lars. I feel like he plays with such power and feel. And he can really play on a huge stage. That's what I tell every kind of like, uh, you know, bedroom musician type drummer. Mm. It's like, yeah, I mean, maybe you can do some shops in your rehearsal space, in your safe zone. But uh, could you play on a huge arena and uh, account for that? Have the balls for that and deliver no. with the feeling and power in the way Lars does? I think not. I mean, I mean, just uh, like... If you remember how what what he does in the beginning of Master of Puppets, you know when he just like hits those the symbols and just like punctuates and he's standing up like on his toes, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, he's, like he's screaming the, to the audience. Yeah, the 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 infamous or famous cymbal uh, choke, which is a great technique yeah. as a drummer. We should speak more about drums in Games for Ifs. I love drums. It's my all my favorite musicians are drummers. To be to be clear, so it would be oh, okay. more of that eventually. <laughs> I just get lost in the riffs, and yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Uh, like uh, he's really like kind of uh, taken that technique and overused it without overusing it. Like every single mm. time he's choking a crash cymbal, I'm there. I mean, I'm, I'm in the fans like, dun, 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 fuck yeah. <laughs> what can you say? That's the, what you should do there. He has a sense of, he's an artistic guy. He's a charismatic, artistic and smart guy. What could you say? Mm. He's not an, an awesome drummer, but uh, who else would I've had, be, would I've rather had in Metallica? I mean, I've seen Metallica with Dave Lombardo, uh, not in real life on YouTube. With Dave Lombardo yeah. <laughs> and also also with uh, Joey Jordison of uh, Slipknot, two amazing drummers, and they do a good job. But still, it's like, uh, is it even better? Is it really like Lars is the engine of this band, and and surely he yeah. he gets a lot of uh, slack as well, not just flack. He gets a lot of slack yeah. because Hetfield is the rhythm keeper in that band. Mm. Hetfield <laughs> listen, he listens to his rhythm guitar as he progresses through the song. Yeah. He doesn't listen to Lars uh, whatever improvisation Lars or China symbols Lars might put on there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Your comment? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's what makes this early record so great. I mean that uh, he's learning how to play drums, and he's learning by listening to James Hetfield on the Black Album. I think he learned how to play drums, and then you kind of go to this caveman fills and uh, really you know basic four four pop, on the pop, four pop, drums, pop, pop, pop. Uh, like which is great in its own way. But then I think it. it totally detor- deteriorated uh, i don't need it i mean I, it doesn't bring anything on load for me i, I, th- I think it's that could be any drummer i'm gonna it's, have to disagree uh, with you there i mean i know okay. where, where you're coming from <laughs> but i think he still brings that four 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 beat that no one can play not no one i mean a few could probably play it <laughs> but he could play it with such muscle you know it's just a very yeah, okay. muscular four four and it's yeah. uh, what could you say? It's non non phobic. His drumming sounds yeah. non phobic. Like I'm gonna be out there. This is gonna be <laughs> heard over a huge field or over a huge stadium. And my hit is my hit. You know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. We're back to the to the like arena drummer that only he can pull off. But I, I was thinking a bit more about uh, how James Hetfield's you know kind of sometimes quirky uh, rhythm parts that he plays. He learned how to play to that, and he plays after it, and he kind of accentuates it a lot yeah. of times. And I think that's the like Metallica sound of the eighties. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, uh, I like his drum recordings of the nineties. I think Bob Rock mm. had a good thing going with Lars. Uh, I'm not like a diehard Bob Rock fan, actually. I don't think. I mean, obviously they wanted it, so I'm fine with it. But I think the, what he did with Lars's sound was quite nice, and you get that arena feeling. It comes across. And Bob Rock also yeah. said that I've seen these guys live, and it's much more powerful than it is on the albums. So I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna go ahead and change yeah. that. And I think he did a good job. And then you, I mean, it's so 90s, yeah. so there's a lot of it that doesn't maybe resonate anymore, <laughs> and it's kind of out of time. But overall, I think his drums sound great on on the 90s records. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's Leper Messiah. If we didn't say it, oh yeah, um, Leper Messiah. What a good song! What a good song! I, I lied before. I said I only liked one reaction channel, Lost in Vegas. Still my favorite, but there's another one, uh, Pastor Rob reacts. It's this kind of <laughs> yeah, youth it's so pastor. Fantastic. It's kind of youth pastor, and he's doing things with his son Gage, the nerd. 
and uh, yeah. I love it a lot. I mean, I, I mean, long story short, I'm into theology, I'm into religion, I like that stuff, so it's interesting to me anyway. But uh, they did Leper Messiah, and his comment was like, yeah, let's say amen to that. This song makes absolute <laughs> sense. And then he started Googling uh, uh, preachers with sneakers, you know, because this song is based on, I, I've addressed it before in the show, that every 80s metal band, they made a song against TV preachers and their kind mm. of hypocrisy and, uh, and greed. Yeah. And uh, he completely agrees. It's like, yeah, obviously. And then yep. they show videos of this uh, very, I don't know if yeah, you've seen Yeah, the new this. one, right? The one, he looks like the devil. COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> I blow the wind of God. <laughs> Be gone. And they even look at that. And I mean, yeah. Oh, my God. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting topic still, in a way. This kind of, I mean, it was overdone in the 80s, I would say. What would you say about mm. the topic of this song? The kind of... Uh, uh, criticism towards uh, TV. Yeah, features. but I mean, he has uh, James Hetfield has personal. Uh, it's a personal thing for him that his parents were um, uh, of the creed. They they believed in this stuff, and I think his mother died. Yeah, they had the Christian largely science. because he, she, yeah, largely because she didn't get medical help. I yeah. think am I totally remembering? No, remembering it's correct. This and right? uh, they based the song "The God That Failed" on that, or mm. James based it on that. But uh, James is a yep. Christian today as many huge rock stars are they yeah, usually mean, climb back it, there I, th I think it, there is a spectrum of being christian it's all the way from christian yeah. science to you know liking to go into the churches in the summer because it's cold you know like that's uh, you know appreciating appreciate and i think uh, i think he's more on the level now with uh, with yeah. everything i i hope yeah, I mean, it changes over generations. My 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 grandparents, they were into, they had a Lestatic Christianity going on up there in the north of Sweden, in the way north, above the polar circle. And it was all about working, not having any fun. You were not allowed to have a TV. You were not allowed to listen to rock music or party. You couldn't even wear a tie because a tie was considered like a <laughs> decadent party item uh, from, uh, yeah. from the Lestatic <laughs> Christians. And I mean, it didn't carry on to my dad's generation even. He was a huge rock fan and, you know, he, f he found that whole youth culture and he was allowed to do that. And I think that, that happens, right, with these kind of uh, strict fates that uh, over mm. generations it kind of fades away. And James is still Christian, but he's definitely not into Christian science. No. Um, yeah. And uh, I was just thinking, I was remembering that you said over the polar circle. I remember when you lived up in Luleå and Piteå, north of Sweden, to study yeah. music. And I came to visit you there, and uh, we did a, a recording. Like we went out to do a music video. I think it was some project in your class, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And we went out in, in the woods with snow, and we filmed uh, you and your friend Emil Juha. performing. Yeah, it Juha. Uh, Juha. Ah, it was Juha. Yeah, uh, performing uh, to. Uh, <laughs> Iron Blood Tusk. and Thunder. It was actually uh, Iron, Iron Tusk. Tusk. We later was, uh, we covered uh, Blood and Thunder with our band, but it was Iron Tusk mm. uh, off of the same album Leviathan by Mastodon, and ah, we yeah. filmed it with like knee deep snow. And also in the <laughs> in the cellars of the university, we did some headbanging shirtless. Yeah, and I remember not uh, not properly aligning the camera, so everything is like Dutch uh, uh, Dutch angle, you know, totally <laughs> Dutch askew. Angle. But what's Dutch uh, angle? Called, what, what is that? It's called it, it, it's when you. It's it's when you do like a hard cut from like the the camera is filming straight straight on. Like, I mean, it's level with the horizon, and then all of a sudden to kind of express or um, augment that someone uh, mis uh, mischievous or maybe evil comes in. You film from slightly underneath, so you see like from beneath them. <laughs> 
so the shin is the big part and the eyes kind of disappear and you also put the uh the, you you um un, un uh, latch uh the 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 tripod so that uh, the horizon is now uh, diagonal it's like askew so everything is like tilted it's tilted that was the word it's it's when you tilt the tripod uh, so then you get the dutch angle something is terribly wrong yeah something is something is wrong we speak a little about the netherlands we had a good one but it was the audio problem when we discussed the do-it-yourself attitude of the netherlands mm. that i found very funny Mm. Like uh, buying a house and it's completely cold, empty, uh, like <laughs> yeah. cellar uh, made out of concrete, and you even have to put your own floor in there. Like it's up, uh, it's up to you to do that. Uh, another like fail, like construction failure happened in uh, Amsterdam during a Metallica show, 2017. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. Uh, the fl- uh, James Hetfield is walking around uh, riffing. Uh, under uh, a solo for uh, one of Kirk's solo. I don't remember the song, but then the floor opens up. There's like an effect, a pyro effect or something. Mm-hmm. The floor just opens up when it shouldn't. And he, because they, they often rehearse how they should walk uh, during their live set. So they know yeah. where the pyro is. Of course, the famous accident when he gets, uh, James Hetfield gets burned. He gets uh, really yeah. seriously burned by the pyro. Uh, but here in Amsterdam, the floor opens up and he falls down and it looks like it hurts so much, <sighs> but it also looks super dumb. It looks really like a, a fake <laughs> on YouTube, so especially here. Like, he falls into a trap door, basically, like a trap yeah, door. Yeah, exactly. like and he doesn't see it and he gets so upset. You see, like he's like lying there still. You think like, oh, maybe he really hurts himself or he's actually crying from the pain because it looks like it fucking mm. hurts. It's like, oh, it's excruciating to watch uh, I suggest everyone go and watch it after the show <laughs> I mean Hetfield has such a he's a fragile guy he's a sensitive guy I mean that we can pretty much stipulate that without knowing him personally yeah. so he doesn't like that kind of stuff like he's so angry after no, uh, when when no. they did like the uh, moth into flame with Lady Gaga Oof. and uh, she did an amazing performance I have to add many people have said this but I'm gonna be one in the choir she's so good at this song she was in a Led Zeppelin cover band before and everything so she knows her hard rock Anyway, what happened in the actual shoot, not in the rehearsal, but in the actual shoot, was that one of the dancers on stage uh, managed to pull out Hetfield's mic cable. So his mic oh. is defunct, and he's so angry. Like You can see that he's a yeah. sensitive guy. He doesn't want to be put in, on the spot like that. It ends up with him throwing his Explorer guitar on his tech. And uh, yeah. that tech was on a Metallica podcast that I listened to. And, <laughs> and he said, like, yeah, I was the guy receiving the flying Explorer, <laughs> and it was not the first time. <laughs> and he also says that that's my job uh, he could do it a hundred times and i still love the guy i love working for him <laughs> apparently he's super uh, super cautious about who works with him like at his guitar techs they have several interviews they meet him they talk about artistic attitude and everything he's very careful about who's kind of behind the knobs in his sound and i think his sound is very dear to him uh i i noticed that uh, this is by far the longest episode we ever recorded but i don't care it's gonna be as long as it needs to be uh maybe it's a two-parter who knows um, it's a festival this is a festival it's a metallica festival uh yeah. it riffs uh if you've forgotten what you're listening to this is a your riff podcast on the internet maybe the only riff podcast 
in the world. I and still believe it's, covering... the only, it's the only Riff podcast. Yeah, you yeah. keep being uh, neutral about this and being like uh, sound. I'm, it's a sound. You I'm have a sound careful. attitude. I have more of a decisive attitude. I've decided that there are no okay, other Riff okay. podcasts. But then I don't we decide know. right now. <laughs> right now, when we record this Metallica podcast, everyone who comes after, we're gonna sue your ass, just like Lars Ulrich tried to do with Napster. So yeah. beware. <laughs> beware. Um, yeah. See me. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I guess it's about time for another riff, isn't it? To be continued. Hello, hello, dear listener. This is future Jonathan speaking to you. Thanks for listening to the first part of two in uh, the Gain It for Riffs Metallica Extravaganza. If you've been listening on the actual week of release, do not fret. You do not have to wait a full week for the next episode to surface. It will be around for your listening enjoyment on Saturday this week. And as usual, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. And tell your friends, will ya? Well, at least the friends that may be interested in... The Riff Podcast of them all! Gaming for Riffs! 